business, the people, the places, and everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat on Radio Tab. Down towards the 4.50, Bassini the leader. Fab's Cowboy the Champs creeping a little bit closer. Two lengths away, Hanover Square, who's under pressure. Then Cheesy Cappuccino, Silent Flyer, Massini in front up to the bend. Fab's Cowboy's been called upon, then Hanover Square, but Massini darted away around the bend of the 220, got two lengths clear, Fab's Cowboy trying to balance up and chase down this leader, but Massini's absolutely bolting, and Massini's going to be too good, Massini wins easily from Fab's Cowboy, six lengths away, Hanover Square, then Cappuccino, followed by Silent Flyer and Cheesy was last to greet the judge, Massini all of the way. Massini all of the way, as Ben Hall said in the call there, and the Marilla Cup at the Miles and District Amateur Picnic Race Club meeting on Saturday. Congratulations to Nathan Vazakli and Dale Groves with that feature win, as we welcome you to Bushbeat for another week here on Radio Tab, rounding up the country news. And today we continue looking back at the wonderful night we had Saturday a week ago in Emerald at the Town Hall for the Queensland Country Racing Gala Awards. We went through all of the award winners last week. Today we're going to highlight and congratulate those who were inducted into the Hall of Fame. As well as a look back at the week that was in racing, along with that Miles meeting, it was also Nanango racing on Saturday and a big day out for the Patrick Sexton stable. Lots of news to get through, and as always, helping us out with that news is Rob Luck. Good morning, Rob. Yeah, good morning, Tony, and let's get the official uh, news out of the way first because Valentine's Day being yesterday, Tony, not only reminded you of a wedding anniversary, but it also brought in our 18th year of Bushbeat. Congratulations. Ama yeah, amazing, isn't it? We thought we'd last about six weeks when this all started off, and here we are, ready to enter our 18th year of talking about country racing and all things that are great on the bush tracks. I'm amazed at your uh, ability to plan these things. Get married on Valentine's Day so that you <laughs> always will remember a uh, wedding anniversary and Valentine's Day, plus Bushbeat uh, kicking off on the same time. Good planning. Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, of ex exactly which one you're going to try and say, you know, which one is, is uh, more important. It was like the, uh, the gag that was going around yesterday. Don't forget Valentine's Day on Monday, to which the racing person replies, who trains it, who rides it, and where's it running? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's one of, one of those names that would go down well on a race course, wouldn't it? <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, We heard Massini coming off that Marilla Cup time-honoured race out of that meeting at Miles and birthday boy uh, Nathan Vasakali. Now out of his apprenticeship, Nathan, he uh, nicknamed the kid out this area because kicked off early in the uh, apprenticeship years out here in the Central West and trainer Dale Groves, whose team's going extremely well, Tony, but... It's an interesting race because Massini now brings into uh, play those sort of horses that we are going to look for that target things like the Battle of the Bush because he's a six-year-old, he's won nine out of 44 and he's tremendous form, three wins in a second in his last four. So I just query whether he's going to be one that uh, trainer Dale Groves would be setting for that because you look at Fab's Cowboy finishing behind him in Hanover Square, uh, there's some form lines there that suggest that Massini, who won by 3.3, is uh, definitely a, a, a quality animal and uh, one that would be uh, very suited to the Battle of the Bush coming up mid-year. Um, as well, uh, plenty of other news coming out of that particular meeting. I found it interesting, Braddock Down, Class B winner for uh, Nicole Shields out of Gunnedah and Jacob Golden. I can remember calling this horse when Peter Townsend had it out our, our way and uh, I know it took quite a while to show any form. It uh, ran a second at Blackhall, it won a maiden at Tambo back on the 31st of July. It's been through numerous uh, stable changes, uh, but it's come of uh, age a little bit. Uh, now had its second win out of 35 for the five 
25-year-old by the Brothers War. So Braddock Downs uh, now with Nicole uh, down at Gunnedah. Uh, convincing winner also over two lengths from Foxy Rose and Who Stopped the Rain. It's just intriguing when you see a horse that starts off its career, works its way, and it's uh, now the five-year-old and uh, maybe just starting to put its act together. The other winners coming through on the program for the day, the helmet uh, six-year-old at the realm uh, for Wayne Baker, third up. I think it had a good run at Roma, maybe first up for that stable. And Olivia Kendall kicked that home over Rural Rebel and Cota Flyer in the benchmark 55. The Fighting Sun, four-year-old um, Sun's Out, Guns Out for Leonard Morn and Shane McGovern. Fourth run for the stable, got up over the Amanda Park-trained Holy Chariot and Beltana. Now, we mentioned the name Amanda Park last week, Tony, uh, and she had a double last week, and it was a second and a winner at Miles. So this stable's going along in fine form. She had a Voca take out the John Mullins Memorial Benchmark 60 over the 13.50, and this is the winner at Dolby last week as well. So the ticket's gelding in good form with three wins, two placings its last five, and it got up over Rin Viata for Wayne Baker, who'd kicked off the program, as we mentioned, with a winner and not liable for Leonard Morn. So a couple of stables uh, keep an eye on, I think. Uh, Dale Groves and Amanda Park, they're going extremely well. And uh, happy birthday again, Nathan Fasakli. Good to see you get the feature winner and the Marilla Cup winner, Massini, for Dale Groves. I know they don't have too many meetings every year at the uh, the Miles and District Amateur Picnic Race Club, and they were disappointed they weren't able to have patrons on course with uh, some of the uh, the restrictions surrounding uh, COVID checks and things like that. Uh, they're very much a volunteer club, and there's a lot of clubs that haven't uh, been able to, uh, to welcome patrons back on course, but they did look like they had some great racing there from the coverage that we saw on the weekend, as they did, Rob, at the Mango last Saturday. Down the side and on the outside, ask Audrey. It's got its head in front as they come past the 400, where Richardson's just inclined a nickel a little bit on his favourite Boone Shaker in second burst. The leader's getting away a bit. They're followed two back by Music Scene from Walshy. Keller's Shelter as well back, and Mr. Busy sees them all. Out deep on the track, ask Audrey. A stable way to the first winner. It's got the bearer of uh, uh, Boot Shaker. It's coming right away, ask Audrey. Ask Audrey, and she wins. Ask Audrey's bolting away. Ask Audrey about like four lengths. In second burst, getting home strongly was Keller Shelter from Walsh. She's got third, a very disappointing run from Bootshaker. It did nothing. They're followed by music seen back at the time, and with it there is Mr. Busy. Ask Audrey taking out the Nanango Members' Cup with Ross Stanley's call there. And Rob, that was one of three winners for the Patrick Sexton stable on the afternoon. Yeah, a couple of stories coming out of this race. Ask Audrey, Patrick Sexton, as you said, with three winners. He kicked off the program with the waiting man with Gemma Steele. Gemma continuing to produce the goods in the saddle. That was a Bella Spree winner uh, that was too strong for timely reward and glam rock in the, uh, the first race. But Ask Audrey, um, now I'm sure this is a homebred story as well because the McIntosh family share or have the ownership of Ask Audrey and it was only second up. After a lengthy break, it had a very strong win at Toowoomba first up and its uh, career in its last five runs when you stretch back before the spell was four wins uh, and a third from its last five for the Master Assassin. But it's out of a mare called Tats Raku and when you study the form of Patrick Sexton's uh, third winner of the day, which was also for Gemma Steele, Gemma bookending the program, the McIntosh family also owned Ma Raku's Secret, which is a spirit of boom five-year-old mare out of Tats Raku. So Tats Raku has done a fine job broodmare-wise because uh, Ask Audrey's now had 11 wins from 49 with Mask Assassin. And I don't think you probably put Mask Assassin in the same um, stallion category as Spirit of Boom in terms of uh, 
proven progenies. So she's done a good job with Ask Audrey and then backed up with this Spirit of Boom mare, a Raku Secret, that was first up in a year. So Patrick Sexton, uh, stable going well and great training effort. Uh, and I'm sure the McIntosh family were very pleased to get that double on the day when uh, Raku Secret kicked home from a run the cutter and it was a convincing uh, win over that one and that was a stable mate for Patrick Sexton as well so Patrick's had a great day out and Bassio Vincenti for Gary claiming to third place but it's just I always find these breeding stories intriguing Tony when you get uh, the broodmare side of it she's had a double on the day we often hear of stallions having doubles trainers and jockeys uh, well in this case the broodmare Tatsuraku done a great job and I'm sure the McIntosh family very uh, pleased with the results out of that also, results for Glenn Richardson and Hannah Richardson uh, with the cutest money for Mr. Noddy going off the cutest money over Miss Flawless, also with cutest and Maha Mustang. But kudos to uh, Hannah Richardson. She's been... We, we often hear the stories of jockeys and have travel, have saddle travel. And, of course, Justin Stanley, who unfortunately injured at the moment, is the classic case. His story's been well documented of how he travels around. But when you consider that Hannah and Glenn had a winner at Warwick at the uh, meeting that was transferred, I think, to Monday last week, and then she's gone to Gatton on Thursday, uh, Rockhampton on Friday, Nanango on Saturday, I think it was four rides, and, of course, the winner of uh, Mr Noddy taking the cutest money. And then she went to Toowoomba, and a uh, big thank you, Hannah, for doing that because she had to get there for the last race to uh, race uh, to ride Craigley Icon for myself and um, Stan and Marilyn Johnson and Crystal Johnson. It was a lovely second on the day. The other one was just too good. But when you look at the fact that these jockeys move around so much over that small space of time, and this stable and combination are going extremely well, Tony. So congratulations, Hannah. Put in a big week, and the results uh, were there. Uh, and this Mr Noddy came off a win at Kilcoy at its last run, Tony. It's nice to be able to acknowledge some of those that are putting in the big mar miles and yards like that. I know there's a couple of names in particular, Justin Stanley and Nathan Day, that we seem to highlight a lot through some of the uh, the major provincial circuits, uh, like Grubby Day wrote a double at the Townsville program on Saturday, as did Stephen Wilson. Nathan also had a double at the Rockhampton program Friday, as did Adam Sewell. Uh, Sam Collett and Tiff Brooker had doubles at the Thursday meeting at Gatton. Uh, that Monday meeting you mentioned at Warwick that was transferred. Gary Gearin rode a double and uh, the other Gearins, Corey and Kylie, had a, uh, a training double in the afternoon. We love to acknowledge those sort of ones, but it's worth acknowledging, Rob, as you say, those that are putting in the, the hard yards and the big miles, that's no easy uh, feat. It's one thing to go from the Nanga to Toowoomba, but not after you've been to Rockhampton and back the day before. <laughs> That's exactly right. And the stable, as I said, going very well. And I hope this is success uh, continues. And, of course, I just should mention the other winner today. And great to see Jason Misson kicking home a winner. Of course, Jason supported the Central West uh, extremely well all last year. He rode for Stephen Kirkwood with Plan C coming up a second at Bell. Two runs back, defeated Informer and Alita. And there you go, uh, Informer trained by Glenn Richardson and ridden by Hannah Richardson. So they had a good day out at uh, Nanango, but uh, the story coming out of Nanango for me were the Patrick Sexton treble, but also the damn Tats Raku with a double with Ask Audrey and Araku Secret, Tony. The meeting's coming up this week, following on from the tab card today at Mackay, where it's Cairns on Friday with another cutest dual qualifier for the three-year-olds. Tab racing also for Rockhampton on Saturday. The non-tab meetings on Saturday include Roma Turf Club with their February Fun Race Day and Texas Cup Day for the Texas Jockey Club. And we can't... Uh, not mention also Kangaroo Islands with their carnival on this week. Their doubleheader for Thursday and Saturday for the Kangaroo Island Racing Club in South Australia. 
The winners, the people, the places, and everything that makes country racing great. This is Bushbeat. Rob, last week on the show, we went through all of the winners from the Queensland Country Racing Gala Awards held at the Emerald Town Hall a week before last, but we ran out of time to be able to acknowledge those who were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Wanted to uh, do that this morning because they were certainly worthy of that acknowledgement and also introduced everyone, well, they would know the name because they would read his work all the time in the Queensland Country Life and the North Queensland Register. He was also nominated for one of the awards as in uh, a great uh, contribution to uh, country racing for the year as well. And I speak of Alan Wellburn, who is joining us this morning on Bushbeat. Morning, Alan. Good morning, Tony. Morning, all. And morning to you, Rob. Yeah, good morning to you, Alan. Welcome to Bushbeat. And I'm an avid reader of the country life and your stories uh, every week. So great to have you on Bushbeat. And uh, I believe you had a pretty good time at the at the awards that night in Emerald. Uh, yes, I did. It was uh, the trick was trying to remember it all the following day. It was such a good time. <laughs> Rob, uh, Alan said to me, it's uh, he's a regular and avid listener to Bushbeat, and it was his dream to come on the show. And I said, well, I can make that happen. I, I know people who know people, so I said I'd put in a good word with you, and and you said yes, we can get him on the show, no drama. I mean, you. We just have to work out some telephone numbers between you folks, that's all. <laughs> yeah, we did We did exchange numbers very late at night after uh, many glasses of water and, yeah, unfortunately yeah. We weren't able to link up last week. But that's all right, we've got you now, Al. Yeah, we're ready to run. And, Alan, really, when, it, when you're at that night like that, the highlight does tend to become the Hall of Fame uh, because the, the uh, participant, the Hall of Fame participant, the trainer... Um, the jockey and the horse entry, it's like the statewide one. It, it's the pinnacle, isn't it, when you're waiting to see who gets this award? Uh, it was an exceptional occasion, uh, Rob. And just to underscore everything that you say, it's very, very correct. It's easy to acknowledge those people who have won throughout the season for various things. But when you get to examine the body of work of some people and they rightly are rewarded with being inducted into such a thing as the Hall of Fame. It's it's quite heartening. And, you know, some of the stuff that I was able to witness that uh, some of the inductees into the Hall were able to achieve in their life was extraordinary. It made me feel so inadequate to know that, you know, people like Charlie Barbagello had followed people like Kenny Waller into the Hall of Fame, and then we got the jockeys and the horses, but their collective achievements, it was just overwhelming. And yet when you look at that list of nominees for the participant, you mentioned Charlie Barbagallo, you're, you're totally correct because the award talks about uh, having an outstanding record of successes and longevity in the industry, setting exemplary standards. Well, the names that are listed in those 14 nominees, a case is obviously made for all of those people but Charlie certainly stood out because uh, you're talking uh, from the early 70s when he first became involved and he's worked his way through the whole club process from the barrier attendant uh, to the judging, the photo finishing, more technical roles. He's gone to being uh, an inaugural chairman of the Leichhardt Committee. Of course, in the old days, it was just known as a home hill race club before it became the Burdekin one. And they had to do a lot of work politically to maintain the, the, the race club in their day. Um, and, of course, when you talk the Burdekin race club, he was a forerunner with this Burdekin Growers Race Day, which has really been an iconic uh, part of their club, hasn't it, Alan? Oh, it's been an extraordinary success story. And the great thing about Charlie 
was that uh, while he was at the top of the totem pole at the club at the time, he took it upon himself to see the wisdom in the idea when it had been promoted by a local businessman, Henry Peterson, to attract as much attention, as much support they could from local growers to possibly help out the club with a view to it being an ongoing day that uh, would generate interest and also generate income and uh, get the entire community, whether it be the agricultural sector or the racing community, to get them as one. And it worked fabulously. It, it goes to show the entrepreneurial skill that Charlie had, that somebody who had vision and foresight to accept that what things were going on in the past mightn't have been quite as successful as they hoped. And he was an idea out of left field to attract um, support from farmers and then to give away the produce as they did and to expect to get a couple of hundred people on that opening day and, and in fact, to get more than 1,500 people and for it to grow beyond their part in the pun is just a, a fabulous, fabulous achievement. I think the wonderful part too is to be able to acknowledge these people while they're still with us, Alan. It's it's lovely to be able to induct people into the Hall of Fame to acknowledge the wonderful contribution they've made to whatever the uh, the code is that they're involved in, whatever whether you're talking racing or football or anything like that. But to actually have them there on the night and see the what it means to them. Uh, to be acknowledged by their peers. And I know that there was a bit of skullduggery had to go on to get Charlie there. I know that the Burdekin Race Club had a big representation uh, at the awards in Emeralds and, of course, will be the hosts for the 2023 awards next year. But, yeah, they had to uh, pull a few Swifties to make sure that Charlie was there on the night. Yeah, extraordinarily humble man. And I, I can tend to understand why he probably mightn't have wanted to be there because he, while he is uh, obviously a visionary person, he seems to hide in the shadows and allow other people to take the plaudits. But it was time for him to be in the spotlight and justifiably so. Rob, we made the comment that uh, any of the inductees would have been, or any of the nominations would have been worthy inductees, and that was certainly the case as well with the uh, Hall of Fame Horse Award. Uh, there were some great names that were in amongst those, including uh, Jet Linder. I love the Jet Linder story. We've we've tried a couple of times to put Jet Linder into the Hall of Fame and haven't quite got the votes over the line for connections there because Jet Linder was the quarter horse that had an mm. amazing race, uh, an amazing racing career, uh, all the way through to rather salubrious, who was the other uh, Queen of the Cups last year. Uh, so it's going all the way back to, I guess, modern day as well. There's some uh, discussion as to whether a horse should be retired before they're inducted into the Hall of Fame, but you can't argue against the two that were tied for the induction this year yeah king bermuda and we have a great connection with king bermuda in the central west and it was good to hear that rob bauer was uh, available to accept the award he tied of course with walk cool walk cool's an easy one to uh, analyze because he's the horse that i think fab's cowboy's been trying to get the winning record off uh, he's had 51 wins from 133 starts this walk cool and uh, the the good thing about both of these horses is the variety of tracks that they've won on. Uh, Walk Cool, in, the, in his case, you know, Eidsville, Wollon, Gainda, Bundaberg, Monto, Theodore, the list goes on. Plus the uh, the weight they carried and the distances. Uh, Walk Cool was 8.14 to 7.32. Uh, whereas King Bermuda, he was a unique sort of horse because he started out in the Central West. He was... Uh, uh, he was bred uh, by uh, Dick Banks and Charlie Prowl, and he won on most of the Western tracks. 
raced for six seasons and basically got to the point where he was weighted out of the country racing and had to head down to Brisbane. And he took the very first triple crown in the Northern Rivers, uh, Casino, Ballina and Lismore Cups in 1990. And some famous names, Alan, in terms of jockeys that linked in with uh, King Bermuda. But he's a classic example of a horse going from his area, going to the next level, taking it, taking it to the next stage in a different locality, doing things like winning a triple crown. Uh, he'll always have that as part of his history and winning over such long distances. And some of the names that uh, went with him, uh, you know, starting with Tom Johnson out of Blackall and uh, as far down as Damien Oliver and La- uh, Larry Olsen uh, linking in with that horse. Yeah, no, he, obviously a very, very good horse. And it's one of those things where, uh, Rob, too often we become Brisbane-centric or Southeast Queensland-centric when acknowledging a horse. They come from the country areas and they come down to Brisbane to compete at Doom and a Regal Farm. And people like such as myself immediately put a line through them and say, I don't know if they're really up to city standard, but a horse like King Bermuda just reminds me and others like me of how good the country horses are. Uh, Tony rightly mentioned that Rather Salubrious was one of the nominees. And for a horse to do as well as that mare has done in the past few years is exceptional. But she, as good as her record is, pales into insignificance at the moment against that of King Bermuda and Walt Cool. And for King Bermuda to be ridden by Beaver Schofield to win those, that triple crown of cups, and then for jocks like Ollie and uh, Bo Olsen to get on board and, and win speaks volumes for the horses because I would imagine either of those three jockeys would have had a selection of mounts from which to choose for that particular day but were more than happy to throw a leg across King Bermuda and ride him to success. But that doesn't diminish the efforts of Walt Cool. For any horse to win more than 50 races, I don't think I've backed 50 winners in my life. <laughs> and here's a horse that's won 51 times and like you said, Rob, on tracks from everywhere and from 800 metres up to 1,700 metres and to earn more than $100,000 in prize money is just a fabulous tribute to the horse. But more than that, it's a fabulous tribute to the people who cared for these two horses and got them through all of those starts and to all of that success. Gents, the uh, the voting committee weren't able to split the uh, jockey inductees into the Hall of Fame this year either, and we had joint winners there in Roy Butch Mules and Alan Rusty Davis. Families of both were on hand to accept the awards, but it was also wonderful to see a few of the other nominees there for the Knights, including uh, a couple of past inductees in Kenny Waller and Keith Ballard. But Paul Gordy was in town, Troy Brandenburg was back, and Wally Wellburn was there uh, at a, uh, a big table, a very noisy table that will burn table i've got to say rob <laughs> is that anything to do surprised. with your nieces alan uh yes i think I, i'm going to blame them <laughs> but, uh, 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 one of the uh, the wonderful things was i was having a chat to kenny before the the night began and uh, he thought to himself that uh it was just a fabulous lineup and he said had this been his year he wouldn't have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So good were the list of nominees drawn for this particular induction. And sitting next to my brother, when Butch was named and Rusty were named as the inductees, Wally said, thank goodness for that because I can't ride like those two. Hmm. His time will come, I'm sure. 
Yeah, Butch Mules had that character about him all the way through and, and you know, even in his latter years riding out here, always a helpful guy. And I, I just love the story how he's related to as a horse whisperer and always singing country and western songs as he's riding track work with the horses, sorting out problems. And, of course, there's been some good stories of uh, that link these guys in the past, Tony, uh, and the good old days of racing. Yeah, very much so. We we don't have time this morning because we've only got a couple of minutes left on the show, but there was a wonderful story that I was able to pass on to everyone in attendance about the Alligator Creek Cup that uh, Rusty and his wife Mavis used to hold every year uh, to assist with fundraising for the School of the Deaf in Townsville, and Butch was on the favourite. And just to, to quickly sum it all up, uh, the bookmaker said, we're in big trouble because I'm holding more money here on the favourite than I did at Cluden at the tab meeting. And if Smokey wins the cup, we're broke and we won't raise any money. And somehow, Butch was able to, uh, uh, can we say, restrain Smokey enough that he ended up with a very, very tight second there. And it was a, a wonderful story that uh, Troy Brandenburg came up to me at the end of the night. He said, I rode in that race. I don't even remember that happening. Probably because we had too many lemonades that day. But it was just lovely to be able to pass on some of those stories. Uh, it's part of the culture and part of the uh, the history of uh, the racing. And, of course, the final one, the Hall of Fame trainer, well, um, James Jim Doherty, of course, uh, unfortunately passed away um, in, uh, I think it was 2012. But he had a wonderful uh, association with lots of jockeys, Peter Cullen in particular, uh, the northwest area at Hewenden, great, great horsemanship skills, great number of horses like Lord Archer, uh, that he had uh, 17 consecutive winners in an early stage. He won so many feature races. These names, Alan, they just keep cropping up in the history of racing, in particularly a case of Jim Doherty uh, in the case of some of the feature races of North Queensland. Oh, and Jim's capacity to do all sorts of tasks. Um, an exceptional horseman who worked on sheep and cattle properties as a jackaroo. Then he became a trainer uh, after having a go as being an amateur rider. Just imbued with the absolute natural instinct to be a horseman. Horses could run for him. I remember my dad talking about Jim. Um, dad had rare opportunities to ride uh, some of the horses for Jim when he'd venture up into the back to North Queensland or Central Queensland on, a, on rare occasions and talk about the Doherty horses and the capacity that these people had to ride. And I know the Cullen family very well and how Jim was associated with that stable. And the, the, there is not anybody that I've ever struck in racing who has said a bad word about Jim um, and his legacy will live on forever. And to be able to maintain a small stable yet host more than 700 winners is absolutely wonderful. And uh, I, I dip my lid to people like Jim Doherty. Gents, unfortunately, time has beaten us this morning. We could spend plenty of time talking about uh, those wonderful inductees into the Hall of Fame, but there's going to be uh, plenty of other opportunities to raise a glass to them and to future inductees. Alan, great to have you on the show. Won't be the uh, the first time or the last time. Well, no, it is the first time, but it won't be the last time that we get you <laughs> involved not. in Bushbeat. We'll have a chat <laughs> again soon. Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity. At, uh, and. Uh, I, my dream has been fulfilled. So thank you, Tony, and thank you, Rob. <laughs> Good on you, thank Alan. Thank you, Alan. Alan, have a great week. Rob, to you as well. Have a great week, and we'll catch up with you on Bushbeat next week.
Back next week, uh, email me at barkersnews at optusnet.com.au. Any great stories, and of course, look out for those uh, Gold Coast March healing sales. They're already available, Tony. Yeah, catalogues are out and about. Thank you to Alan Wellburn and Rob Luck for joining us on Bushby. Good luck to Roma and Texas who are racing this weekend, and all the crew heading to Kangaroo Island for their two-day Cup Carnival as well on Thursday and Saturday. And we're back next Tuesday on Radio Tab with more of Country News on Bushby.